On podcast 1848, the Blazer EV hits the production line. Zika enters Europe and details on GM Energy. Trying a new thing so you know when to expect a show. Live at 5pm UK, that's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. Today is Thursday, 29th of June. I'm Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Patreon supporters, look out for a refund for last month as I was away, unexpectedly, and a free month in July just to say thank you. I've paused any future payments, which happen around now towards the end of the month. I will reactivate that uh, sometime later in July. We'll start with the Chevy Blazer hitting the EV production line ready for launch. The first ever Chevy Blazer EV that can be sold to customers has just been produced at General Motors Ramos Alzipe. Is that how I say it? Plants. GM is planning to launch the new electric SUV this summer. GM is expecting a big year as it increases production of its EVs that are based on its Ultium technology. Even though GM is planning to stop making its Bolt and Bolt EUV at the end of the year, it's hoping to make up for this with several new launches, including the Blazer EV. First introduced at CES in 2022, it's an electric version of Chevy's most iconic SUV, and CEO Mary Barra said that the Blazer EV will be the first Chevy electric model to have the high-performance SS or SS trim. Blazer EV will be available in five trims, 1LT, 2LT and RS. There'll be a police vehicle, the PPV, police pursuit vehicle, and the SS trim as well. Depending on the trim, it'll do between 247 and 320 miles. The high-performance version, Blazer SS, is described as having the soul of a sports car with 557 horsepower, 0-60 less than 4 seconds in WOW mode. Wide open watts. W-O-W WOW mode. Hmm. The first Blazer EV trims available this summer, though. One of the ones that, if you want to get an early one, we will be available to you. The 2LT, starting at $47,500, 300 miles of range on that. And the RS, $52,000 and 320 miles of range. The SS model has 290 miles and will be available in the autumn. Sorry, it's an American car. I should say the fall and be $70,000. The 1LT will cost forty five grand and be available next year. Okay, moving on. Zika, a brand owned by Geely, has started taking pre-orders for two of its EVs, the 001 and the X, here in Europe, in the Netherlands and Sweden. The first time Zika cars have been sold in Europe. 001 is a five-metre-long large car. It's been available in China since October twenty one. The Zika X is a smaller car, a smaller compact SUV. The Zika 009, their big van, people carrier, premium, big captain's chairs, etc., not coming to Europe. Zika 001 starts at €60,000 in the Netherlands. Uh, Zika X is at €45,000 in the Netherlands. Prices include local taxes, and that's for the single 200 kilowatt engine version 001 Zika 001 has a 100 kilowatt hour battery so that is officially 620 kilometers on a single charge Zika X the smaller vehicle has a 69 kilowatt hour battery and will still do 440 kilometers first deliveries of those vehicles in the Netherlands and Sweden are planned for this autumn Zika also plans to open its first European branches in Amsterdam and Stockholm this year 
After launching in the Netherlands and Sweden, they'll expand to most countries in Western Europe by 2026, they say, but no specifics on what countries come next. Moving on, and GM Energy has announced its first retail offerings, allowing customers to use vehicle-to-home, that's bidirectional charging, stationary storage and energy management, all part of GM's Ultium Home line. Ultium Home products, they say, give customers more independence when it comes to energy, resilience and value, providing backup power to your home from your Ultium vehicles. The first Ultium Home products will be in three flavours. The first bundle is designed for customers who want to use their GM electric vehicles for vehicle-to-home. So, powering your home from your car. It will include a power shift charger. That's what will allow the vehicle-to-home bidirectional charging when paired with the Ultium Home Enablement Kit and the Ultium Home V2H Inverter Home Hub and Dark Start Battery. Second bundle is for customers who want to use their GM vehicles for stationary storage and V2H. The bundle includes everything in the first bundle, but also GM's power bank. That will be a stationary storage unit that can connect to the Ultium Home kit and extend backup capability, storing excess solar energy, for instance, when your car is not in the driveway. And the third bundle for customers who want to integrate stationary storage into their home, but who don't have a GM Electric vehicle. The bundle has the GM power bank, an inverter, the home hub, and solar integration. Customers who want to integrate solar into their homes can work with SunPower. That's their exclusive solar provider. SunPower will help their customers, they say, uh, install those systems. All of the Ultium Home products connected to the GM Energy Cloud, a software platform that allows customers to manage the transfer of energy between all the different GM Energy assets. The prices and delivery timelines still to be confirmed. Interesting to me, I don't know about you, but interesting to me how GM is clearly following Tesla's lead there and getting into, and Ford, of course, um, with the F-150 Lightning and the bidirectional technology. Uh, But I think going further, going further and doing it better with home battery integration and things like that. And of course, Tesla do that with their, their power wall. But at the minute, it's very much a separation of church and state. You know, if you've got a Tesla vehicle, you can charge it from your Tesla solar and your solar battery, but you can't go the other way. And I think that's what I'm excited about because, you know, I have a 10 kilowatt hour battery in my garage. Many of you know, I've talked about my SolarEdge products before, but it's 10 kilowatt hours. And yet we have two EVs. And what is that? The Hyundai Kona is 64 kilowatt hours. The MG is 40. So, you know, have 10 kilowatt hours in the garage and 104 kilowatt hours sitting on our driveway. Like my wife is at home working indoors right now. I'm in the in the studio at the bottom of the garden. So 114 kilowatt hours of, of energy uh, potentially available to us, and yet we can't use our vehicle. So that's, that's, I'm really excited about uh, that opportunity. Uh, hopefully, uh, that is becoming more popular with more brands. But if you're in the US, maybe you want to have a look at this. Okay, let's move on and talk Mack Trucks. Announcing its medium-duty electric vehicle, the Mac MD Electric, is now up for order. The EV is designed to complement the uh, MD model, which is diesel-powered. It's their second electric truck, the first one being the Mac LR, which came out in December 2021. 
MD Electric will be Class 6 and Class 7 ratings. Uh, the Class 6 model uses a gross vehicle weight rating, the GVWR, of £26,000. The Class 7 is £33,000. Both models are exempt from the 12% federal excise tax, the FET. The MD Electric is going to be produced in Virginia. The motors and the onboard accessories, um, all produced by them as well. Uh, the battery is an NMC technology, and it's either going to be in a 150 or a 240 kilowatt hour configuration. Of course, uh, the MD Electric was developed specifically for this application, and uh, you can find out more details on the link in the show notes that I will put into the recyclingproductnews.com website where I found I found this. I do search the internet every day for you on this podcast. Next, this is really exciting. Tesla is preparing for third-party apps and a potential Tesla app store. Tesla is reportedly making preparations to officially support third-party apps, coming from an update to its user settings on its website, which has led to speculation about the launch of the Tesla app store. The concept of it isn't new. Since the launch of the Model S in 2012, Tesla has mentioned the idea of releasing uh, a software development kit, an SDK, to create third-party apps on its touchscreens. I remember reading an article by uh, ZDNet or ZDNet back in 2012 where they spoke to Elon Musk and he was talking about, yeah, yeah, the app store is coming. We might be using HTML5 or maybe it'll be something native. We don't know, but the app, yeah, that's 11 years later. And so... Tesla does have an unofficial API that allows for basic third-party apps used for mobile and browser-based apps. In 2016, Elon Musk said that they plan to move to app mirroring mirroring from uh, your iPhone and Android phone. Tesla has been inching closer to releasing this app store uh, with features like Tesla Theater, Tesla Arcade, streaming apps and video games. However, they've been working directly with the companies rather than having an app store that any developer can just go and work on. Uh, The last time Elon Musk talked about Tesla launching the app store was in 2019 that I can remember at least the recent edition of the new section in the settings of its user accounts. Manage my third-party apps is a sign of progress. Doesn't confirm anything. And of course, this has been going around for a long time. Okay, coming up, we'll take a little break. We've got some more Tesla news on the way very soon. I would like to know, by the way, that I'm going to try and do a YouTube version of this show. Now, I've got a little bit more capacity for various reasons. I've been uh, turning down some other work so I can work on this and hopefully grow this. And this has to make some, this podcast has to make some more money um, if I'm going to do that and do less uh, other stuff. Uh, but I thought, let's go back to making a YouTube show. But I, know I like the podcast. I like the podcast intimacy. No, intimacy sounds a little bit uh, over the top, but I just like talking to you on the podcast and and then you know getting your emails and hearing from you back as well and having a chat. YouTube doesn't feel like the obvious place to sit down and have a bit of a chit chat. Now, look, there are loads of great podcasts on YouTube. I mean, look at uh, some of the podcasts like Joe Rogan's, like two, three, four hours long, and they're you know they the old ones are all on YouTube. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it doesn't feel like I would put this show on YouTube um, because it it feels like YouTube is more about, for this show, highlights, maybe a 10 or 12 minute version. Uh, I whip through stuff. So that's my thoughts. If I've got it wrong, please tell me. Uh, Social media, at EV News Daily. I'm on Instagram, EV News. And uh, of course, my email address and stuff. If this show... Should you know this longer show, 20 30 minute show that I do each day? If this should just be the YouTube show, 
well, then I can do that. But it, I almost feel like YouTube needs to be sort of respected as a video platform, even though they're getting big into podcasts. So I, I don't know, but it feels like it feels like that's what I should be doing. Uh, by the way, if you want to get this podcast ad-free, you can sign up to Patreon. Oh, no, you can't at the moment because I've paused subscriptions for the existing people to make up for missing some time. Um, so if you want to sign up to Patreon, hold your horses. You will be able to soon. Back in a sec. Okay, Tesla is advertising on Google. This is the first time that I know they've actually done paid advertising on Google AdWords and things, marking a shift in their strategy. Elon Musk previously saying they would rather invest in products and development than advertising. The change in approach was first hinted at during a shareholder meeting, the one at Giga Texas back in May, where he mentioned Tesla would try a little advertising and see how it goes. At the minute, there's 18 ads running under Tesla Inc., The ads promote their Model 3, Model Y, solar panels and superchargers. Despite the lack of advertising in the past, they have done marketing. They have done plenty of advertising. Things like the referral scheme is a great form of advertising because they just use word of mouth. So, yeah, they've not done full-page ads in car magazines and Google and things like that, but they have spent money on getting the word out there, just doing it differently. And so we'll see if this works. The move to advertising comes as automakers are projected to spend $19 billion on digital advertising this year. And it remains to be seen whether Tesla's popularity is increased by doing that, uh, that traditional form of spending. Moving on. One of my favorite, favorite charging hardware companies in the world, Kempower, the Finnish company Kempower. Oh, man, I just love their hardware. It's good. It's elegant. I love the way they do cable management. I love their little screens. It's announced plans to open a second factory in Finland. The new factory will double their production capacity in Europe, include research and development space as well. It'll open through 2024 and collaborate with the local university as well. Now, if you're heading off to Goodwood, you'll see Renault there. Renault is planning to showcase their EVs at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. The Renault R5 Turbo 3E, long name, will be making its UK debut. The Renault R5 Turbo 3E is a racing car with two rear-mounted electric motors, 380 horsepower, and a tribute to the R5 Turbo, a rally car that celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. Carbon fibre body on the electric version, though, and slick tyres. Renault's stand at the festival will also have a Renault 5 prototype, uh, their all-electric car that's coming in 2024. Can't wait to see that. Renault 5 EV is a modern version of the classic Renault 5 with a bold design and the Renault 4 Ever stylized Renault numerical 4 capital E-V-E-R, no spaces. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Renault 4 Ever will also be making its UK debut, a rugged version of the iconic Renault 4 for urban and rural driving, they say. There's going to be some resto mod stuff there as well, electric drivetrains to see, and the recently launched Austral E-Tech. Full hybrid is on display if you're going to be heading off to Goodwood. Goodwood Festival of Speed, Thursday 13th to Sunday 16th of July at Goodwood House in West Sussex. Now, a company who are not particularly forward-coming, uh, forthcoming with their electric vehicles hopes to change that. Infinity providing a look at their upcoming EVs to dealers. Infinity held a meeting in Los Angeles yesterday where they showed their North American dealers the upcoming models to reassure them that they do have plans. At the meeting, they showed off four models, two of which are EVs. The 
uh, all-electric Q70 is coming at the end of 26, and the that's like the discontinued Q70, the petrol version, and short overhangs, long wheelbase on that. And in 2027, they will release a mid-size crossover. No details given. But the dealers who attended had mixed reactions, they say. Some were sceptical and some were excited to see the brand revitalised in an electric era. Now, ABB is inaugurating their new Virginia factory for commercial vehicle manufacturing. ABB the big electronics company, has opened their new facility in Virginia. Uh, The facility will support their motion traction business, making a variety of products for passenger railway cars and commercial electric vehicles, compact converters, auxiliary converters, battery chargers, energy storage, all coming out of this facility. They will make the batteries as well there, and the facility costs $6 million to build, over 65,000 square feet with 100 people full-time working there. They have invested, ABB, I'm talking, a total of $14 billion since 2010 in updating their US infrastructure, uh, factories, etc. Let's talk about BMW also investing in space and factory. $700 million EV battery plant, this time in South Carolina. The facility will be used to make batteries for the BMW EVs, which will be sold in North America. It covers 100 acres and will make the sixth-gen battery tech for BMW's X series of electric vehicles. Those will be made at the Spartanburg plant in South Carolina. Uh, The new facility will create 300 jobs there for BMW. Last year, BMW announced it would invest $1.7 billion in the United States of which $1 billion will be used to set up their Spartanburg EV manufacturing facility and $700 million on the battery assembly facility. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why money is being spent. No doubt the Biden administration, a big reason for that uh, whilst he is still in power. And who knows, he may be re-elected or maybe it'll be a, a change once again. Uh, blimey, look, the elections are a long way off. Let's not start, not start talking about those. The Biden administration is investing $2 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act bigger total to speed up production of EVs in the US and to help out those who are struggling. The funds will be used for grants and subsidies. Domestic manufacturing conversion grants for EV programs will provide cost-shared grants for making hybrid, plug-in hybrid and fully electric vehicles. The Department of Energy's Vehicle Technologies Office said the program will prioritise projects that refurbish or retool existing plants that are either stopping operations or closing because of the shift to EVs. The goal of the programme is to preserve existing jobs, including union jobs and well-paid jobs, and provide work opportunities in communities that have so far powered the automotive economy but may not in an electric future. The Biden administration is pushing the US auto industry to accelerate the move to EVs as part of the goal to decarbonise the economy. And the Environmental Protection Agency back in April proposed rules that could result in as much as two-thirds of the new vehicle market shifting to EVs by 2032. And staying with why so many of these factories and facilities are in certain parts of the US, Jennifer Granham, or Granholm, the Energy Secretary, is touring the South to promote the benefits of clean energy investments made possible by the Inflation Reduction Act. She's visiting the congressional districts of five House Republicans who opposed it. The tour is part of 
their Investing in America campaign, an effort by the current administration to promote the Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure Law, the CHIPS Act and the Science Act. The administration wants to highlight the contrast between uh, those that have made this happen and the Republicans who are still pushing against it, even though many of those who don't want this investment are in places like North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, and those places that are seeing huge investments and great well-paying jobs. Uh, These areas are all benefiting But those that are elected to represent those people are the ones who are ideologically opposed to spending money on green projects. Kind of sad, really, but there we go. It's politics. Let's not get into that too much on this podcast. Despite the administration's efforts, by the way, to promote EVs, still concerns around about the impact on jobs, the move away from combustion, and I completely get all of that. The the auto repair industry particularly, is going to see huge shifts that I'm not sure everyone is fully prepared for uh, that are going to be coming. Right, still to come, we'll talk about Toyota being banned from advertising in the UK and the Dieselgate saga rumbles on. Stick around back in a sec. Now, my buddy Tom Malogny has a brilliant article up on Inside EVs about the Chevy Silverado EV empowering contractors with the offboard power solution. Now, Tom has a YouTube channel called State of Charge. It is the best of the best. If you want to know anything about charging, Tom's channel, State of Charge, go subscribe to it. Tom is one of the world's leading experts in charging electric vehicles. And so when they got invited along to go see the new Chevy Silverado EV at the test drive, of course, he was interested in their power solutions where you can use the work truck and the offboard power system to allow owners to utilize up to 10.2 kilowatts of power. That's fairly juicy, actually. 10.2 kilowatts is a you can do a lot with that, uh, that which allows you to use the 200 plus kilowatt hour battery pack. Now, uh, they still haven't said how big the battery pack is in the Chevy Silverado EV, uh, but another one of my friends, uh, Kyle from Out of Spec thinks it's just over 200 kilowatt hours because he did some testing and then some charging um, and also be the same as the Hummer. So that would make sense. Now, 10.2 kilowatts of power is enough to power an entire job site really for days without needing to recharge the truck or even power essential loads in an average home up to 21 days if you are careful with how you use that power. Tom writes on Inside EVs about the Silverado EVs coming with uh, offboard power as standard. Seven outlets. There are six 120 volts, uh, 20 amp circuits, and one that is 240 volt, 30 amp. These outlets are located in various parts of the vehicle, like the e-trunk, the cab, and the right rear side of the bed. For those who need more power, there's an optional power bar that can be purchased, which will deliver an additional 3 kilowatts of power. And that plugs into the vehicle's J1772 charge port. So that would be 13.2 kilowatts of power in total if you purchase the optional extra as well. I can't think why you'd ever want so much power, but you got such a massive battery. That goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast. We just want to be able to use this energy that we're carrying around with us in these batteries that is stored sometimes from our home solar or just sometimes if you're taking this out for a camping trip or like I say, a job site or just for, you know, there's a power cut. For whatever reason, you want access to this power in your vehicle, which you've paid for 
and is really, really useful if you can get to it. Silverado EV will also be able to charge other vehicles from off-board power. However, you'll not be able to use the supplied charging cable to charge other EVs. They're going to sell you a vehicle-to-vehicle cable that will be designed for this and deliver six kilowatts in total. The prices and availability of the power bar and the vehicle-to-vehicle charging cable weren't yet announced. Now, let's talk about the Advertising Standards Authority here in the UK. I think that's, um, I think it's just a limited company. Uh, so it's not a government organisation. I think it's basically the self-regulatory bit of our advertising industry. In other words, they say, let us regulate ourselves and we'll be good, which means that there's not an official government regulator on the advertising industry. So it's, it hasn't got any weight, but advertisers who sign up to it tend to kind of abide by their rules. So that, for any of my non-UK listeners, is a background on what this is. The Advertising Standards Authority has banned an advertisement from Toyota saying that they exaggerated aspects of their EVs, misleading customers about charging times and the availability of fast charging. They, uh, Toyota are facing a ban for claims that their BZ4X model could be charged to 80% in half an hour using a 150-kilowatt charger. The ad was prominently featured on Toyota's website and has been deemed misleading. The misleading claims were a central part of their marketing strategy for the new model. The Advertising Standards Authority concluded the ad was misleading because it omitted important information about the factors that could significantly affect the charging time and the limitations in relation to the availability of high-power chargers. So, once again, another day, another country, another Toyota ad about their electric cars banned. Goodness me, Toyota. And what's interesting about this is, like, you and I know that Toyota's advertising, I think, over the years has been really stinky against electric vehicles. Now they're actually making an EV, which is terrible, the BZ4X. You shouldn't buy one. Um, if you have, hope you love it, by the way. And, um, uh, and and they're still being told off for their EV advertising and banning this advertisement from, uh, from Toyota because uh, what's interesting is the regulators, as I say, the ASA is not an official government regulator like Ofcom or off what etc but um but they have to become experts in this now you and i know toyota evs stink and uh and uh, they've yet to make in my opinion a good one but (laughs) don't make any of them really but it's interesting that other people are having to sort of upskill if that makes sense you know they could have come to me and said what do you think and i'd have said yep (laughs) that's a slam dunk ban um but uh but yeah it's interesting that um uh, that they didn't just let Toyota, so they weren't bamboozled by Toyota. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not surprised. There we go. Moving on. Right, a couple more stories actually, and the uh, the Dieselgate story just rumbles on. The German federal court rules that car makers must compensate diesel owners that were fitted with illegal emissions manipulation devices. This decision is a result of a class action lawsuit against Audi, Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen by diesel owners in Germany. The court has overturned earlier dismissals by the state courts and said the burden of proof lies with the car makers to show that their diesel emissions manipulation devices were not illegal. The court has in now ruled in Germany that owners may claim between 5 and 15% of the purchase price of their diesel cars with these illegal devices. This ruling could have implications for similar lawsuits for other German car makers. 
The owners argued that the value of their cars were negatively affected by the presence of these devices. Totally agree. And they were known as, in the industry, thermal window software programs. Thermal window software programs sounds a lot less harmful than cheat devices. They reduced, or in some cases, switched off nitrous oxide filtering on the catalytic systems um, in a certain temperature band and when they were going undergoing you know, official testing. Car manufacturers argued that they help reduce condensation, reduce the risk of rust, that they protect the cars. However, the result is nitrous oxide and particulates entering the atmosphere. So it's a terrible thing to do and people have ended up in prison and found guilty of this and this Dieselgate story rumbles on and rumbles on and it will continue to. And that's why we need to move to EVs as quick as possible for all of these car makers. Just forget your past and move to the future. And finally, there is some good news because a new study by Cox Automotive reveals that there's a growing interest in electric vehicles. The study highlights a lack of readiness, though, amongst many dealers. They surveyed 1,024 consumers. Cox also surveyed 152 dealers. They predict that 1 million new EVs will be sold in the US this year, a record more than twice of 2021. It'll be about 8% of the new car market this year in the United States. 51% of consumers are considering a new or used electric vehicle. That's up from 38%. The top obstacle is affordability, which I massively agree with. 43% of people who want to buy an EV note that they're very expensive. Other barriers are falling, though. Back in 2021, 40% of people said that a lack of charging was the roadblock. Now it's just 32%. The study revealed a a gap, though, between the readiness of consumers to buy EVs and some of the dealers who are ready to sell them. They say they feel that EVs need to be improved or to prove themselves in the marketplace. And that makes sense. If you haven't sold an EV to many customers, then you would say, well, I think they need to be proven because... That's a natural human response. If you're used to selling petrol cars and you haven't sold any diesels yet, you might not know that EVs are more than ready for prime time. Dealers say that electric vehicles are important to the growth of their dealerships. Uh, 55% say in terms of selling and 57% in terms of servicing. Dealerships also said they need more support, though, and guidance from the automakers themselves. Again, I agree with all of this. I love this data because it's just kind of, yeah, it's obvious, but someone's done the survey and... It comes out what what we all think. Uh, The likelihood of an EV buyer deciding to purchase before visiting a dealership is high at the moment. But EV owners said they still want dealerships to exist for servicing and maintenance. More than half the dealerships surveyed said that they weren't prepared for fully prepared for specifics around electric vehicles. So I think that's a real opportunity for the dealers who are EV thinking forward, who have had these preparations in place for years, that when someone walks through the door and wants to buy an EV and they're ready for that, they will certainly, I think, be the ones that uh, are still around in a, in a few years' time. Those dealers that, uh, that are less prepared have got some catching up to do. Well, that's your podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, and Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. 
National Car Charging, they're on the US mainland, and in Hawaii, they are known as Aloha Charge. Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel. Go and give Derek a watch and a subscription. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made so simple. They've got one app and one map. And finally, Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.